We think of God as omnipotent, omniscient, all-powerful, all-knowing. We think of him as mysterious. Well, he's all those things. So it's kind of perplexing to ask ourselves the question, can he speak to us through common sense? Through common sense. Let's talk about it this morning. From the Word of God, John chapter 4, verses 1 through 26. Hear God's Word this morning. Now, when Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus was making and baptizing more disciples than John, although Jesus himself did not baptize but only his disciples, he left Judea and departed again for Galilee. And he had to pass through Samaria. So he came to a town of Samaria called Sychar, near the field that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there. So Jesus, wearied as he was from his journey, was sitting beside the well. It was about the sixth hour. A woman from Samaria came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away to the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus asked her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw water with, and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than the father, our father Jacob? He gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said, Sir, give me this water so that I may not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. Jesus said to her, Go and call your husband and come here. The woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You're right in saying I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one you now have is not your husband. What you have said is true. The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshiped on this mountain, but you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming, whether neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship Him. God is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. The woman said to Him, I know that the Messiah is coming, who is called the Christ. When He comes, He will tell us all things. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. May God bless us through this, his holy word. Let's pray. Father, bless us now to receive your word, not only into our minds, that we may understand it, but 
into our hearts that we may believe and that through our hands we may live. In Jesus' name, amen. George Washington Carver was the peanut guy. Did you know this? 300 different uses of the peanut that he discovered. Isn't it amazing? I mean, from insulation to lotion, he discovered 300 different uses of the peanut. Isn't it amazing just to think that with just a little bit of discovery, just a little bit of investigation, peanuts can deliver so many things. And that's not even talking about the new wonder spice turmeric, right? I know a lot of y'all are just sprinkling turmeric, thinking that every, all your problems are going to go away. Just sprinkle a little turmeric on it, you're going to be fine. Everything's going to be great. But isn't it amazing just to think that in this broken, fragmented world, there are answers almost in every bush. That the creation that God made, he also placed within it all of these gratuitous gifts that despite the brokenness, the fragmented world that we live in, can be put back together through common sense. What about your fragments? What about the fragmented you? Isn't it amazing how sometimes really smart people do really dumb things? You ever wonder, why do really smart people blow up their lives, right? Why do they make such terrible decisions? Why do, why do brilliant people sometimes have a personal life that is a total shambles? Why do talented people crash and burn? Why does this happen? We are divided against ourselves. We are divided against ourselves. And so, if we're going to be guided by common sense, then God has to put us back together. So let's, let's take a look at how common sense can be a guide for us when we reorient our lives. Okay, so we're going to ask the question, what is common sense? What, what, what do we do with it once we have it? Why do we miss common sense? And then how do we find it? What is it? What do we do with it? Why do we miss it? And where do we ultimately find it? So first, common sense. If we're going to be guided by it, let's, let's define it first. What is it? What's common sense? And, and I'm, I'm calling it, this morning, I'm calling it a will. It's the will to look before you leap. <laughs> we, we look before, sometimes we look before we leap, sometimes we don't. Sometimes we don't want to. We just want to leap, right? It's the will to look before you leap. To make things simple. Recently, I heard somebody say, you know, uh, I, I will do complex, but I'm, I, I won't do complicated. I, I'll live through the complex, but I'm not going to live in the complicated, right? You see the difference? One is willing to name things, to say, to simplify things, to say, this is, this is what we're dealing with here, to, to, to name it, right? To name what's really going on. How are you going to know yourself? How are you going to know what's really going on? How are you going to read the times? How are you going to be discerning? 
if you're not willing to call the spade the spade, to say what's really going on. And Jesus, in this first part of the passage, is very practical. You've got the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. He's from the northern part of the kingdom. He's from Galilee. But he's, he's made his way through Samaria down to Jerusalem. And, you know, part of the problem that, that Jesus deals with is the fact that sometimes people just want to reduce him to something, a teacher, a miracle worker, or even just a carpenter. They don't see who he really is. And Jesus came to reveal himself. He's very practical. And he's seeing that in Judea at the time, uh, his reputation is growing and he's, he's becoming a threat. And so rather than cut his ministry short, he simply goes back to Galilee where he can continue to reveal himself and to teach and to call people to follow him. In the Old Testament, in Judges, it says that the men of Issachar understood their times and knew what Israel was then to do. And so, in a lot of ways, it's just simply a matter of seeing what is prudent. Remember uh, Dana, Dana Carvey? Some, some of y'all will remember Dana Carvey's impression of the first George H.W. Bush, right? Herbert Walker Bush, the first Bush president. Wouldn't be prudent, right? Remember that? That's the best I can do. Maybe I'll try to. Wouldn't be prudent at this juncture. Remember that? <laughs> to be prudent is to line up with what's really going on, with reality. And sometimes that seems really dull. Yeah, simple is, can be dull, but, you know, sometimes complicated is not a good place to live. Sometimes you need to get back to simple. And that means just being willing to look before you leave. So that's, that's common sense. A will, the will. To simplify things, the will to look before you leap and see what's really going on and name it and then respond to it, to be discerning, to make judgments about all things, not condemnatory judgment, but discerning. So that's what it is. What do we do with it if we have it? Well, we're supposed to use it. Sometimes it doesn't get used. I mean, we got to have fun with this, y'all. I mean, you, you know what I'm talking about, right? Common sense isn't what? Common, right? Okay, you know what I'm saying. Common sense isn't common because we're not always willing. We're not always willing. Why is that? We're divided against ourselves. I, I, I've got a little visual this morning. You've seen this. And sometimes, uh, sometimes the way we think and the way we feel Sometimes we don't really want it to be centered on Christ. We just want it centered on ourselves. We just want to do with it whatever we want to do with it. We just want to have it to ourselves. We want to manage all the fragments and pieces of our lives, right? Now, maybe it's a mess, but it's my mess, right? Okay? That's, that's where we are a lot of times. We don't want to return things back. We don't want to see the real shape and the fit of reality of our life. We have a piece of our life and we think, I just want to do with this piece what I want to do with this piece. And I don't really want to admit that it fits back home. This is the problem with common sense. We're divided against ourselves. We think, we make assumptions that 
aren't lined up with what's really real, with, with what's really enduring. Or we feel a certain way. We, we, we think with our heads, we, we make an assumption that's fragmented, or our feelings divide us. We know we should do this, but we want to do that. Anybody know what I'm talking about? <laughs> Anybody ever experienced anything remotely similar to what I'm talking about? Of course. This is what the woman at the well is dealing with. That's why she's at noon. It says the sixth hour, but the way they measured it, this is noon, 12 noon. She's, this woman has made her own fragmented decisions. She's created a lot of chaos for herself. And so she's, she's cut off from, from her social circles. She's made a lot of bad decisions, but they're her decisions. And now she's going in the heat of day to draw water from the well by herself. She's running to the consequences. You know, a lot of times we think of consequences as a bad thing. Don't you? You think of the consequences of bad decisions as a bad thing, do you? You know, they're really a good thing. Because within, group, within, within the, the truth of a consequence, if we can receive it, is a grace. When the truth becomes grace, you're listening. You're willing, again, to look before you leap. You're willing to say, hey, I made these decisions, and they didn't really work out very well. And so, you know, like old Einstein's old, you know, off-quoted, you know, you're, you're, you're not going to keep doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results. Because you're listening. The consequences are speaking to you, and this is what Jesus is pointing out to her. You know, a lot of times what we're doing in, in our modern age is, because we want the fragment, we want, we want to, to use all the pieces and parts the way we want to use them on our own, centered on ourselves rather than on Christ. We, we seek, even through medicine, to remove consequences of our actions. And, and then we wonder, why is there such a mess? And where is God? And how come these bad things won't? And how come I feel so unsettled? This is exactly what Jesus, out of compassion, is saying to this woman. You know, the, this, the very same, almost the exact same scenario is playing out today in the Washington Post. Just a couple months ago, uh, a woman named Christine Emba wrote this article called Consent is not enough. We need a new sexual ethic. She's talking about consent between two adults among college students. She's talking about college. She says this, in this landscape, there's only one rule. Get consent from your partner beforehand, but the outcome is a world in which young people are both liberated and miserable. Jesus isn't coming to judge or condemn. He's coming to judge in the discerning way and to help her become more discerning for her sake. Even if you can remove some of the consequences of our individually based decision making, even if you can remove some of them, all the layers of life are hooked together. And so... In an age of these casual encounters that people are having, that's leaving them hurt 
and confused and unfulfilled? Can you hear and see Jesus encounter with this woman who's had five husbands and the man she's living with now is not her husband? Can you hear the compassion in the consequences, not the judgment? You see how amazing that is? It's really Jesus. Jesus is... I should probably say it this way. Dr. Phil is channeling Jesus when he says, how's that seem to be working for you, right? We give Dr. Phil the credit, but, but Jesus is really saying to this woman, hey, not wagging his finger. He's just saying, hey, how's it going? I know you, you've had, yeah, what you're saying is true. He's, he keeps it very factually based. Yeah, you've said what, what, what you're saying is true. You've had four husbands, and the man you're living with now is not, you're not married to him. Is that fulfilling? How's your life going? Now, it's so important that you see that Jesus, in bringing the consequences and bringing the truth into your life, when you feel the hard edge of the guardrail, could it be that he's keeping you from the cliff? So common sense, what is it? A will to look before we leap. What do we do with it? We should use it, let it grow. Part of that is just to shift and make decisions that uh, I'm going to decide to, to name what's really going on. I'm going to recognize that there's a problem, that I'd like life on my own terms. I'd like life under my own control. I'd like to think what I want to think, and I'd like to feel what I want to feel. Why do we miss it? Well, that's the reason. Compartments. Why do we miss common sense? Why do we miss the guidance of common sense? Why does common sense sometimes not find us and guide us into all truth? We think in compartments. We think in compartments. We, we want to feel what we want to feel. We want to think what we want to think. And we are disintegrated people. All of us, to some degree, we're disintegrated. I love this, uh, this scene now. This is one of my favorite, this is one of my favorite stories in, the, in, in, in Scripture. It's not a parable, but it, it functions kind of like a parable. And here's this woman. Jesus is saying, yeah, I know who you are. I know what you've been about. And what does she do? She says, oh, hey, let's talk about something controversial. <laughs> let's talk about something completely different. Hey, I, I perceive that you're a prophet. Hey, you know that debate about, you know, it's, it's sort of like, oh, here's this awkward moment. You know, the guy you're living with isn't your husband. Hey, should we worship on this mountain or that mountain? <laughs> Let's just change the subject, right? This is playing out every day. It's just like, let's just dwell in controversy. Let's just debate something. Let's not think about how the basics apply to my life. Let's just, let's just side up on every issue. You're a Christian, I'm a Christian. Let's battle each other. Let's, let's, you know, let's not think about whether or not uh, we're, we're applying something basic, whether or not we're being reintegrated in terms of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Let's, let's just let's spend our lives debating, right? That way we can just sort of distract ourselves from the pain of our disintegration. Have I not just... summed up all of social media? Isn't that mainly what we see? Christians at each other's throats 
It's disgusting. What a mess. It's disgusting from the, the, the point of view of what we're, the face we're showing to the world. But let's bring it back to the compassion of Jesus. It's just sad. Because Jesus is saying, you can be reintegrated. You know, it's, it's funny. Sometimes when, when I'm on a, a plane and I'm having a normal conversation with people because they don't know who I am and what I do, sometimes this will happen. Uh, so what do you do for a living? And, I, and I'll try to avoid that as long as I can so I can be a normal person, right? I can just have a conversation, right? And then, then I tell them, well, I'm a pastor. And then I see this sort of, the backstroke starts. All right, here it comes. What did I say? There was something terrible. I said, oh, I, did I cuss? Did I use it? And it's just like, it's this fragment. It's like this whole idea. You know, hey, let's talk about whether you should worship on this mountain or that mountain, right? Let's talk about something controversial. Let me ask you a question then. Let me ask you a question, preacher, right? And then we don't know. Because we're disintegrated, because we're compartmentalized, because we want to feel one way and think another way, we don't know why we're mad at the person who had nothing to do with what we're mad about. We don't know why we're mad about it. We don't know why we're just sort of bloviating through the house. We don't really know. We don't really know ourselves because we're divided against ourselves. And so we don't even understand ourselves. Do you see how Jesus didn't come to say, hey, you're behaving in a disgusting manner. He's, he's coming to say, hey, listen, this isn't working for you. For you. Let's put you back together and stop this whittling away at yourself. It's like code switching. You heard of code switching? You know, code switching is when you, you have one set of rules and one way of talking to a certain group of people and then when you, when you come, when it's Sunday and you come to, you know, to church, then you act and behave, or maybe, maybe you've got a, a group or you've got a Sunday school or you've got a group of Christian friends and you get together and you've got a totally different set of rules. And nobody knows you because you don't know you. And Jesus is saying, let's put you back together. So often we think of the rules and we think of, you know, these kinds of scenes where Jesus is calling somebody out and we read it through this, we read it through this lens of shame. He's not shaming anybody and I don't want to shame you this morning. I just want to call you back to the fact that even if you've been a Christian a very long time, there are fragments of your life that you're managing all on your own apart from Christ. You need a new center. You need to bring it back to center. So how do we find it? How do we find it? We find it by recognizing that, that the whole of us, all of you, is called to him. There's not just some religious compartment or faith compartment. Now, it always cracks me up when I see, uh, you know, some kind of news story and somebody says, well, let's, let's get a religious perspective on this. I'm like, what? A religious perspective? You've already made a decision about what it is. You've already marginalized it. You've already said, well, it's just sort of over here on the periphery like tennis or you know, something, some activity or some sort of opinion poll or something like that. Jesus is saying, if you want to know yourself, if you want to know why you're so divided against yourself, then the whole of you needs to be recentered on Christ. The whole of you. What, what does it look like for the whole 
of you to be recentered on Christ. You know, imagine, let's, let's paint a picture of this. Imagine that you're walking up to one of Europe's great cathedrals. And you're approaching this amazing edifice. And outside is somebody with, it, with a little pamphlet. I heard somebody kind of, kind of picture this. He said, imagine just sort of this amazing structure. The blueprints and some of the specifications in some little pamphlet. Imagine them saying, hey, you don't have to go inside there. Just here. I'll tell you all about the cathedral. I'll tell you, you know, when it was made, how long it took, how many, how many tons of rocks, you know, the pitch of the roof. Would you look at that and say, yeah, oh, that's, that's great. I think I've experienced St. Paul's Cathedral. And so many times, that, that's how we think of our faith. We think, I've got the doctrine right. I've got the pamphlet. I've got the outline. I've got the doctrine right. And often when we do that, when we think of this fragment, we think, okay, I've, I'm, I'm all about doctrine, right? Truth. Truth. I've got the truth. This is what happens. When you take that piece out and you say it's all about truth, you become morally superior to everybody else. <laughs> and that often is the goal. That's our goal. It's just to manage ourselves. Manage ourselves. Or on the other side of things, you know, people just want to feel better. They just want goosebump Christianity. They just want, and as long as you got the goosebumps, then you got the spirit, right? As long as you got the goosebumps, then, then things are moving. You're, you're tracking with God. And Jesus said, no, come to worship in spirit and in truth. That heart, head, hands, all of it comes together. Now imagine yourself walking to that cathedral and the grandeur of it hits you. The sights and the sounds, the content, the, the stories that are, that are told by the, the within, not only within the, 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 the windows and, and the imagery, but, but from the pulpit. And it all comes together around one great confluence. Now you're beginning to experience it. I want to ask you this morning, as we, as we finish up and apply this to your life, what, I want you to ask yourself, how integrated are you? By asking yourself a really tough question. I mean, think about all these fragments that you and I live with, the complicated that we live with. And I want you to ask yourself a question. It's a tough question. You ready? Do you ever feel judged? Do you ever feel judged? Did the woman feel judged? Okay, let's put those side by side. Do you ever feel judged? Did the woman feel judged? What did she do after this? I didn't read the rest of it. What did she do? This is a woman who is avoiding the entire town. She's she in the heat of day to, get, to draw water. And what does she do after she meets Jesus? She goes, not only does she go into town and broadcast the experience she had, she drew attention to her own history. Come see a man who, knew, who knows everything I ever did. Just like the rest of y'all. I know you all know that I did. But can you imagine being in that position where you no longer feel judged? Why is that? Because she recognizes that God wasn't waiting for her to judge her. 
Jesus is putting himself by that well the way the father puts himself on the front porch in the prodigal son story. He's waiting to embrace and to kiss the son. This woman felt embraced. And so all of the fragments of her life now are unpacked and named and come back to center. They all find their home. She's no longer having to to, to, to have all the doctrine right and to be the right one and be on the right side of history that, so that she can be better than she, she's given all that up. And nor is she just simply reducing herself to saying, well, if I'm on the right mountain and I'm having the right worship experience, then, then I'm gonna be okay. It's all about Jesus Christ and centering all of the pieces and parts right there. Because if you, if you, have a center, then you don't have to defend all the parts. Let's pray together. Gracious God, our Heavenly Father, how we thank you that even when we are faithless, you are faithfully waiting for us. Faithfully waiting for us to name the thing. Faithfully waiting for us to return. And as a result, you can make us faithful. Faithful that when we're judged, we recognize that we're being judged by someone who hasn't unpacked all their parts. Recognizing that when we feel judged, then, then, then we're free. We're free from that judgment. We don't, we're not under that judgment. We're so free, we're even able to have compassion on the judger, knowing that they are justifying themselves. And we can respond thinking, praying, even saying, come you who are weary and heavy laden and judging me, and Jesus will give you rest. Lord, we look for that recentering freedom this morning. And we pray that you would help us to trust you with all the pieces and parts, with all the thoughts and feelings that we may love you with all our heart and soul and mind and strength in Jesus' name. Amen.